we can fill the entire Sabbath day with just our, the gratitude and, the, and, and expressing what we have experienced from God. And maybe one day we will do just that on a Sabbath day. It will be a Sabbath of Thanksgiving. Maybe, maybe next year th- on Thanksgiving Sabbath, we'll have a Sabbath of Thanksgiving where we express verbally and just share about the blessings God has given us. And, and I know we've only begun to skim the surface because I know there, there are some of us here who God has blessed us with healing. There are some of us who God has blessed us with comfort. And there are some of us who we are still asking for comfort and healing and guidance. And God has asked us to ask. And so that is why we express our praise. I want to lift my gratitude again for this church, but also for my family. Uh, We've been able to see my father and mother-in-law for the first time in two years since COVID. And what you may not know is that during the process of which um, we were going through the interview here, my mother-in-law was hospitalized with COVID and she was intubated for 12 days. She spent 28 days in the hospital, but she's here. And so tonight, my family's not here uh, today. Um, you know, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law do not speak English. And because they're leaving tonight to go back to Brazil, they felt they're a little tired. They're a little worn out from all the walking we did this last week. And um, so they're just taking their time. So I'm grateful that we had this opportunity to be here with them. And, and earlier this year, my parents also came down, and, and some of you met them as well. I want to share this verse with you. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, His mercy endures forever. Let, the, let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures endures forever let's pray together father god we are so grateful for this opportunity that you've given us to 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 pray to praise you and to express some of the blessings that you have given us and and lord we ask that as we now open your word that your spirit be with us that your spirit will lead us as we worship now through the opening of your word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As he went, there are a few verses in the Bible that when you read the story of, the, of Jesus in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find this very word, sentence, as he went. It's in, if you have not heard it already, this phrase, as he went, became special to me when I was worshiping with three other Air Force chaplains during officer school. We were given the Sabbath off so that we could worship Saturday mornings. And one time as we were gathered there, just the three of us, 
we, we, we began to talk about how God performed these miracles as he went. So this morning, I am going to bring your, to your attention one of these miracles, and it's found in the book of Luke, chapter 17. If you open your Bibles with me, Luke, chapter 17. Verses 11 through 19. I'm going to read it through once, and then we're going to go back and, and look at it a little bit more carefully. Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19. Now, what is interesting is that this story is only found in the book of Luke. You will not find it in any of the other three Gospels. This is a story that is only found in this book. Luke chapter 17 verse 11 says, I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now it happened as he went, he being Jesus, to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, this story is unique, and, and, and being in the spirit of thanksgiving, you can already say, say and see, oh, Pastor Art, you're going to be talking about giving thanks, aren't you? Yup, I am. But there are some aspects of this story that I think you need to understand and you need to hear. First of all, when the story talks about uh, Jesus leaving from he went through where? Well, how does the Bible describe this? He went through Galilee and then Samaria, right? But he's on his way to Jerusalem. Though it's chapter 17 in the book of Luke, when you compare the story and the context of what everything is, Jesus is actually leaving towards Jerusalem to die. This is one of the last miracles that he performs prior to the healing of blind Bartimaeus in Jericho, which is farther down. And you can see in the map that Jerusalem is just above Bethlehem, just above the, the word Judea there, and Jericho is off to the northeast. And you have Samaria, which is the entire region, but you also have where Jerusalem is at, but you also have the town of Samaria, and you have the area of Galilee, 
which you, you have the city of Capernaum at the top of, of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus leaves and he's making his way down from Galilee through Samaria and he actually winds across the Jordan and, and then back into Jer- Jericho as he makes his way. His, this is his last journey. This is one of his last opportunities to see people and for people to encounter Jesus. And as he's leaving, he finds, he enters a village and he finds 10 men that are there standing afar off. The interesting part of this story also is that only Luke and John talk about Samaritans. Matthew and Mark do not. And when we look at this context, here are the stories that we find. Luke, you have the, 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 the parable of the Good Samaritan, and also you have the, the parable of the ten lepers. In John, you have the woman at the well who met Jesus, and you also have the healing of a possessed man. But these are the only encounters that you have the word Samaritan or Samaritans in the Gospels. So as I said, Matthew and Mark do not have this in their Bible or in their, in their Gospels. But what, what I find interesting is that when you see the words, they stood afar off. They were actually complying with the laws of Leviticus chapters 13 and 14. If you read this, and I would strongly recommend that you take some time to read this because it will make it will make the gospels make even more sense when it deals with people who are um, dealing with illnesses because it was there it was by law levitical law that those who had a skin infection they needed to be consulted by the priest and after seven days if they if it got worse they needed to go away and be isolated they needed to be quarantined per se and if it didn't, if it didn't uh, get healed in another seven days, they would continue their quarantine until they were healed. But in this case, they were lepers. They were by themselves. And the Levitical law states that you, these individuals who had these infectious diseases or, 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 or skins that were infected needed to live so far away that people knew that they were ill but they would not come into contact with them because of their illness. It was such a a cultural difference than what, what we experience today that when people saw these individuals, they would walk by and they would yell out, unclean, unclean. How would you like to be called unclean when somebody knows that you're sick and they're yelling at the top of their lungs for everybody else to know that you are unclean? And this was the context of the life that they were living. These 10 men who were an outcast of society. Not to even to mention the fact that they thought that if you received some kind of disease like this, is that God was punishing you because of something that your parents did. 
But such is not the case. We know that that's not true. So in accordance to Leviticus 13 and 14, when a person becomes healed, after he presents, or they present themselves to the priest, they still had to be quarantined now, not with those that were ill, but in a different location for another seven days. Because that was their time of cleansing. And on the eighth day, they needed to offer an offering of trespass. What is an offering of trespass? It's an offering of sin. It's an offering that if you, if you, when you, if you get upset, if you get irritated, or if you happen to say something mean about somebody that just happen, you lose your temper, uh, or or if you lie about somebody, if you bear false witness, if you touch an unclean animal or the the carcass of an unclean animal. You needed to present a trespass offering, which ultimately is a sin offering. On the eighth day. So only seven days after they were pronounced clean could they come back into society. But it also describes what you needed to do to present. It was an offering. And, and when we think about offering, we, we think about sacrifices, but think about it also in this perspective. It's a monetary sacrifice because they needed to go and purchase these animals or their families needed to purchase these animals for them so they could offer the sacrifice in order for them to be considered clean, forgiven, and integrated back into society. You know, sometimes when we hear this story, we think about only the gratitude aspect of it all. We think about only the, man, these people, these the nine were so dumb that they couldn't think to go back and, and say, thank you, Jesus, for, for healing me. I mean, think about it. They had been outcast and ostracized for such a long time that when they heard that the master was coming through they all got together and yelled out at the top of their lungs master have mercy on us and jesus says go and show yourselves at the priest and as they went they became cleansed and then all these things that they knew about what they were supposed to do came into their minds it's no wonder some of them forgot How many times have you been blessed and you've been so excited at the blessing that you receive and you begin to make plans for how you're going to share or how you're going to get back into and integrated into that you forget who the blessing came from in the first place. See, we are too quick to throw stones on the nine. But we are just like the nine. And it took a foreigner to come back and remind us. Somebody who did not belong of the same faith, tradition, that Jesus belonged to. To remind us who the master really is. 
The term master here is also a term that is special to Luke. In the Greek, there are several words for the word master. But on this, this use is only, it's exclusively used by Luke. And it means an appointee over. When you're in the military, you know who the leader is. You know. And this is the term that Luke uses to describe Jesus. An appointee over, somebody who has give, been given authority to reign over, to lead. A commander. Of all the words, and Luke does utilize all the, all the other words that is in the Greek that symbolizes the word for master or, or lord. Some of them are translated as the word lord, which comes from the Greek kudios, which, but it, which is not used here in this instance. But he uses this particular word that says, this is the master, he's my leader, he's my commander. He's the one who has authority over me. And Jesus says, go. Show yourselves to the priests. When you're calling out for mercy and for a blessing, when you're calling out, Master, have mercy on us, are you using Master in the sense of, you have authority over me, or are you labeling Jesus just with the title of Lord because he died on the cross? Those are two different things. Because the world recognizes that Jesus came as he's a historical figure. He has come and, and died and has given himself as a sacrifice. That's a known fact. That's historical. Even the angels, even the devil believes in that. But they don't call him master. They don't call him commander. They don't call him my ruler. And so when we begin to ask for these mercies, these blessings, do we approach Jesus in, the same, in a manner of, I know you sacrificed for me, I know you have authority over me, but you're not really my ruler. I know you have the power, I know you created me, but I'm still not going to follow you as your subjugate. Because when these ten lepers called out Jesus, they knew exactly who Jesus was. And they, were, and they all yelled out in the same manner, my commander, my leader, my authority figure, you tell me how, where to go. You know, this is the, it reminds me of the dialogue Jesus had with the centurion excuse me, with a centurion, where he sent his, mess, his messenger, excuse me, he, he approached Jesus and he said, hey, uh, just give me your word. Give me your word and it'll be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found faith like this in all of Israel. A centurion, a Roman, a foreigner, 
The Bible says that on, as they went, they were healed. How many times have we often waited for the miracle to happen for us to recognize who Jesus is? When Jesus is saying, just go, it'll be done. But notice that the words Jesus did not use here, you will be healed. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. It was a, the healing was, was a condition that was predicated upon action. An action that needed to be taken on faith. It's an exercise of faith. And now as they leave, they, I mean, can you think, think about their reality? Go show yourself to the priest. I'm still sick. Nothing was changed until they started to walk. Until they took that first step. Until they, they heard the master tell them to go. And on the way, and as that person saw, I am healed. I'm doing about face. And he falls down. And he kneels down, face down, with his face to the ground. And glorifies God. You know, we studied this. We did a series on glory, on, on praising, right? This was no thank you. This was thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you for healing me. As loud as he could. Because the Bible says in a loud voice he glorified God. Why are we so bashful about expressing our gratitude for what God has done for us? Didn't he not heal you? Did he not die for you? Did he not give you grace? Why are we so bashful? Jesus' response was, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? When we fail to give God the glory, he takes notice. He takes notice. But for those that didn't forget I love this quote. For the sake of this one man, one who would make right use of the blessing of hell, Jesus healed the whole ten. You know what that also says? Is that when you give thanks for the blessing God has given you, it means that those who he's also given that blessing to and forgotten, he still gives it to them just because you praised him. We could spend an all-day affair here just expressing our gratitude. We could. But this also means something else, too. It calls upon responsibility. It calls upon action. 
an action and a responsibility that you and I have that when we praise God, we are blessing those around us. We are blessing those who may have forgotten to thank God from the previous blessing he's given them. And we remind people of God's grace. And we remind people of his benevolence. We remind people how good it is to serve the master. You know, I, I have, I need to be careful how I share this. There's a commander in one of the units that I care for. He's not very well liked. Because he doesn't value people. But when we are reminded that everyone needs grace, that everyone has been afforded grace, it humbles us. And even if you have not expressed your gratitude, even if you think that I own this, I'm entitled to it, it, it only comes from above. Any blessing that you give, any blessing that you receive, it comes from above. But here's something else too. Along with this, there's another statement of indictment. When those who have great light do not walk in the light, Christ's gracious work for them cannot be appreciated. I hope this doesn't fall, that you don't fall in this category. That you have received the information, but, you're, but you choose not to walk in the light. Because when God's grace falls upon you, you will not recognize who it comes from. Perhaps that, that is one of the reasons why some of those nine didn't turn back. Is because they weren't walking previously accord, in accordance to how they should have been. But just because you may fall in this category does not mean that God's grace is too far from you. It doesn't mean that he can't reach you. It doesn't mean that you are untouchable. It doesn't mean that you are unclean. It only means that this is an opportunity for you to stretch your hand and say, here I am, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for what you've done. So the question I want to leave you this morning is, how are you displaying your gratitude to God? I'm not asking you to come forward and just express how grateful you are. The Bible also says that when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, and give your glory to God. You can do it that way. And God sees it, and he hears it, and he's going to bless you. Because that's what he wants. He's expecting. I shouldn't say he's expecting. But he will honor your request. How are you displaying your gratitude to God? May God bless you. 
as we continue to as we go, as we on our way, as we experience the healing, the blessing, the miracle of God's grace, we will recognize who it comes from.